0: Well, we're continuing our series. I think this is about the eighth message uh, in the series that we're doing. Uh, we're calling The Step of Faith. It's a series that we're taking from uh, the Gospel of Luke. And, and we've been looking at what it means to not only you know, take a step of faith, but to take this step of faith that will transform and change lives. Because that's what Jesus does when we become a follower of Him. We take a step of faith with Him then He begins to change us and He begins to transform us. And so if you feel like you've taken a step of faith and that transformation is not taking place in your life, then what we've been talking about over these last several weeks is number one, you need to reevaluate if you actually ever took a step of faith or not. And then what that transformation uh, looks like. And uh, we find Jesus giving us several examples of it. Uh, here in the Gospel uh, uh, of Luke. And uh, again, I'm going to share with you again today Jesus' invitation for us to become a follower of His, to be one of His disciples. And I'm going to, uh, uh, along with Jesus' words today, extend to you another invitation to follow Him and take this step of transformational faith. And strangely uh, enough today, I'm going to spend approximately the next 30 minutes today trying to talk you out of making that commitment. And that may sound strange to you, and that may sound odd to you coming from a pastor and you're in church, that I would stand before you and say, I'm going to try to talk you out of taking a step of transforming faith with Jesus but the reason I say that is because it seems that's what Jesus is trying to do here in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14. But, and I think you'll understand it a little better because this is a very difficult passage of Scripture for a lot of people. And so I believe you'll understand a little better as we unpack this passage today about what Jesus has to say about us being His follower taking this step of faith that will change your life. And so let's pick up our text this morning here uh, in chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 25, and we're going to cover what I believe to be probably some of the most difficult teachings that Jesus taught while he was here. And, and uh, Luke records it like this. He says, large crowds we're traveling with Jesus, and he turned to the large crowd and he said... And I just want to stop there and talk about this for a minute, because Luke makes the point to say there was a large group of people that were following Jesus. Right? There was this huge crowd of people who are now following Him, because at this point in His ministry... Jesus is becoming well known for being this man with supernatural powers that can heal the sick. Uh, Jesus is becoming known for uh, the the message uh, that He's sharing with those that He comes in contact with. And so He has produced this large following of people. Some probably because they had placed their faith in the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. But then some were probably gathered there that were just following Him out of curiosity, maybe out of sheer entertainment, uh, maybe because their wife said, Get up, we're going to see uh, this guy Jesus today. They, they, the, the huge crowd of people could have gathered there for a lot of different reasons. But, but nevertheless, there's a huge crowd that has gathered and following Jesus. And so he looks around at this large crowd of people, And here's what he says in verse 26. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot Be my disciple. And then he says this on down in in verse 33. He says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. And so there you have it. Jesus is inviting you to hate your family, to carry a cross, and to give up everything that you have. So we're going to close with a song invitation this morning and we can all go home feeling better about our walk with Christ, right? But what in the world? I mean, this doesn't really sound like Jesus is trying to build a mega here, does it? And I'm sure that Jesus' disciples were probably kind of taken back by these things that Jesus was saying and the tone that his message takes to this crowd of people here. Don't you know that these disciples, they're pretty pumped about what's going on. They're pretty excited about the fact that all of these people were gathering and all of these people were coming and following uh, Jesus. And then they, they, they've built this group of people. They've, they've built this huge following. And Jesus makes this announcement. In order to follow me, you're going to have to hate your parents and hate your children, hate your brothers and sisters. He obviously hadn't read Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people, had he? <clears throat> Same things like this isn't really going to rally the troops, it isn't going to set a record crowd size next Sunday at church. But here's the deal. Jesus isn't trying to sell anything. He's not trying to sell them anything, and He's not trying to sell us anything. He's not trying to build a jesus mega megachurch. But instead, He is offering them salvation. And friends, we need to understand that salvation is worth more than anything else in this world. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I've come to offer you salvation. I've come to make you a new creation. I've come to give you an eternal home in heaven. This is worth more to you than anything else in your life or on this earth. And so, over these past several weeks, we've been talking about, and I've been trying to convince you through the teachings of Jesus to take this step of transforming faith. The benefits of our salvation, the benefits are new life, benefits are transformation, benefits are your past has been forgiven. The benefits are an eternal home in heaven with Christ. And so, I've been encouraging you with the words of Jesus to become a faithful follower of Jesus, taking these steps of faith that will change you and transform not only your life here on this earth, but transform your eternity forever. But now, let me ask you this morning, do you really believe what Jesus is saying here? Do you really believe what Jesus is saying to us here? And I ask that because in America today, and, and in the South in particular, a lot of people have adopted this faith that I refer to as Jesus Light, and, and they've adopted a Jesus Light version of Christianity and what Christianity is meant to be. For many of us being a Christian, for many folks today, for them to be able to call themselves a Christian just simply means this, I'm not an atheist. (laughs) For a lot of folks today, for them to call themselves a Christian simply means that they have adopted a set of morals in their life that makes them just a little bit better than the bad people in the world. And maybe attending church every once in a while. But for Jesus, becoming a follower, becoming one of His disciples was something so radical that by comparison, everything else in this world, every other commitment compared to This faith in Jesus would look like hate. And by the way, I know that this statement about hating your family may throw some of you off and cause some confusion because we thought that being a follower of Jesus was all about love, right? About loving our our, our neighbor and that we're supposed to love everyone, including our families, which sometimes are harder to love than anybody else, right? Right? And that's true. Jesus does call us to a life of loving others. But don't miss this. What Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying that He deserves a loyalty. He deserves a loyalty that that is so strong that in comparison to it, every other relationship that we have, even our closest ones, would seem like hate. Let's look at it like this, and maybe this will help us understand it a little better. Help me understand it a little better anyway. How many of you here today have some sort of pet? A lot of us, right? We love our pets. And if you're like Lynette and me, we're crazy about Macy. And Macy drives us crazy. (laughs) But we love her. There's nothing like coming home and... Her meeting you at the back door and you can look in the window and her tail's about that long and that's all you can see is that tail wagging like that right there. It makes even a bad day better, doesn't it? We love our pets. Unless you have a cat and then you're just waiting for it to die so that you can get a dog. I understand that. (laughs) But seriously. Y'all, the reason I jab people with cats is because... Well, we got people in our church with cats but uh yeah they uh they always kind of jab back when they get an opportunity so uh, but we love our pets and we're committed to our pets on some level some of us spend a lot of money on our pets that dog food we're feeding our dog I think it costs more than our groceries cost in a week I don't even know it's I've been tempted to taste it. It's got to be good, as much as it costs. (laughs) But as much as you love your pet, I want you to think about it. That pales in comparison to how you love some other people in your life. No matter how much you love your pet, it pales in comparison to your love for your kids. Maybe your love for your parents. Or the love that you have for your spouse or best friend. And I'm going to say this morning that if you had to choose between the well-being of your pet and the well-being of your child, it's no contest. If the house was on fire, you would get your child out first. And to your pet, that might seem like you hated them, right? Yes, you're committed to your pet, but compared to the intensity of your commitment to your child, well, your commitment to your pet would seem like hate. Church, this is what Jesus is saying here. This is the type of loyalty that Jesus not only deserves, but he demands of us. Our loyalty to Him has to be so strong that in comparison to our love for Him, everything else and everyone else will take a back seat to our relationship with Him. And so Jesus is saying, if you're not willing to give me that spot in your life, if you're not willing to give Him that, then you've got no business following Him Or saying that you are a disciple of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 28. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? You don't want to get halfway done and not be able to finish it, right? For if you lay the foundation and they're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, we had some friends that used to live in a uh, subdivision in Conway, uh, a really nice place, had some big fine homes in it, and we'd go visit them and spend some time with them. And as you would enter this subdivision that they lived in, uh, there was a lot of construction that was taking place at the time, but there was this one lot in particular where they began to build this massive, beautiful home, and they got it about halfway built, And the build, it it just stopped. And, you know, we would continue to to go to Conway and go by there to visit or or, or whatever, and we'd pass this place, and it would just, you know, it was just sitting there. Nothing was going on. Nothing was taking place. And, And we commented on it every single time. Wonder what happened. Wonder if they died. You know, wonder what the deal is. And it sat there like this, half built for probably longer than a year. And every time we saw it, we talked about it, you know. Come to find out what had happened was they began to build this massive dream home and they didn't have the money to do it. They hadn't considered the cost. And they got halfway done and they couldn't finish. Jesus is using that as an example for us today. And he's saying, so before you make a commitment to me, before you take this step of faith with me, you have to consider what the cost will be. You have to consider what it's going to cost you. And and you have to consider, am I ready and am I willing to go all the way and finish the race with Jesus? Coming to Jesus is is not something uh, to do just because it makes you feel good. Coming to to Jesus is, is not something that you do just because it seems like the right thing to do so that people won't think that you're a bad person. You see, back then and also today, a lot of people were and still are, they're initially attracted to Jesus for what He can do for them. He can give you forgiveness for your sins and your past. Yes, He can do that, and that's awesome. Jesus can take you to heaven. Jesus can help you in your marriage and your family. Back at this time, Jesus is performing miracles and giving people back their health and their sight and doing all of these things. And a lot of people were following Jesus to see what Jesus might do for them. And... A lot of folks are that way today. And and, and so you think, you know, because of that, because of what I know about Jesus and what I believe about Jesus to be true, then that requires some level of devotion to Him. But here's the deal. At some point, following Jesus is going to cost us. At some point, following Jesus is going to cost you at some point obedience to him is going to take you 180 degrees the opposite direction of where you think you want to go and it's not going to always make life easier and sometimes it may even make things more difficult and it may make life harder and that's the point that Jesus is trying to make here He wants us to understand that. He says, I understand there's this great crowd of people that are following me for a lot of different reasons. But you need to understand the main reason that you should be a follower of Jesus Christ. I offer you a lot, and I'm asking you to offer me your life as well. Because, oh, by the way, that's why you were created it's the only reason that you are taking the breath that you're taking right now and that your heart is beating right now is because God created you for His glory and for His service. And so the question is are you ready to follow Him if this is the case? Are you ready to follow Him if this is the case? And then that brings us back to the cross, and we touched on it there. I want to look at it again in verse 27. Jesus said, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, notice what he doesn't say here. All right, he doesn't say, Whoever does not carry my teachings and follow me. He he doesn't say, Whoever. Uh, may carry my moral code and follow me or carry my warm and fuzzy god blanket and follow me what does he say here he says carry their cross carry their cross so what does jesus mean by that carry your cross Well, first we must understand that for those that Jesus is talking to here, a cross was not a pretty piece of jewelry. In fact, at this time, the cross wasn't a sign of religious, wasn't a religious symbol at all. You see, the cross was an instrument of torture and an instrument of execution. It would be kind of like You know, maybe some politician saying today, come and follow me. Come and join my campaign. Strap yourselves to an electric chair and let's go. That was kind of what Jesus was saying here to these people. And also these people that he was talking to here, they faced a very real threat of a cross if they became a follower of Jesus. They could be tortured or they could be executed on a cruel cross. So what Jesus is saying here, to follow me could cost you your very life. So consider that cost before you take this step of faith. Consider that cost before you commit to follow me. And I thank God today, as I'm sure you do as well, that we don't currently live under a threat like that. Being a follower of Christ, we might be tortured or we might be executed. But just because our time period is different, and we don't live under those kinds of, of threats, and our situation is not as volatile as theirs was, it doesn't mean that our commitment to Jesus can be any less. Just because we've got it better than they had it doesn't mean that we should be any less committed to Him than He's asking them here in this passage. So in light of that, I think it's fair to ask, would you be willing to follow Jesus? Would you be willing to follow and obey Jesus if it meant a literal cross? Or maybe this is a better question this morning. Are you following Jesus today for comfort or a cross? Are you following Jesus today for comfort or a cross? And even though the circumstances that these first Christians lived in were much more extreme than ours... Our commitment to Jesus is not supposed to be any less any less extreme than what theirs was at that time. So what does it mean for us to carry our cross? Well, two things I want to point out. The first, building on what we talked about last week, and that's this. If you take notes, you're going to go, he had the same point last week. <laughs> that's the point. Total surrender. Total surrender. And again, we began to unpack this last week, but I want us to think about it like this today. A person on a cross had given up total control of their life. Right? A person on a cross was no longer under their own control. They were under arrest. They were bound hand and foot. They would be totally powerless to the will of their captors, and many of them were already as good as dead. To pick up our cross. Well, what does that mean? To pick up our cross, what Jesus is saying here, that means a total surrender of ourselves to Jesus. A total surrender of our will to Him. To die to anything that we might want, to die to anything that we might desire or even believe that is apart from what Jesus wants. Okay, so if it's what Jesus wants in your life, that's all well and good. But we've got to be willing to die to anything else that doesn't fall into that category. And I preach this today not because it's popular. I preach this today because I knew there were not going to be very many people here. Because I know the number of people that are quarantined right now. But I preach this today not because it's popular. Because, listen, it was not popular when Jesus said it. It was not popular when Jesus taught it. And it's still not popular today. But the truth is, there's a lot of people in our world today that are saying that Jesus is the Lord of their life but they have not given him lordship and control over their life. That's the point that Jesus is making here. And if something Jesus said or something the Bible says, a lot of people today, they they look at the Bible and go, hey, you know, that that was back then. That's old school. World's changed. Things are different now. Nothing has changed when it comes to the message of Jesus Christ. If something Jesus said or something the Bible says doesn't fit into what people want to do or it doesn't fit into the lifestyle that they want to live or it doesn't fit into what they want to believe then they just put it aside. Kind of pick and choose what they want, what they like and what their faith looks like. Don't miss this. If Jesus is Lord... You will believe everything that he says because he said it. Whether you agree with it or not. Whether it makes you angry or not. Whether you understand it or not. There's a lot in here I don't understand. Tim Carter been going through. What, what book are you all in for the last five years now? Where are you at? Second Corinthians. They've been in 2 Corinthians for like the last decade. And uh, he still don't have all the answers. There's a lot of things in the Bible, friends, that I find hard to believe. There's a lot of things in his word that are offensive. But the question is this. Is he Lord? Is he Lord? And I am. I would ask you if he is Lord and you call him Lord, then are you totally committed and surrendered to him and his will and his way, his word, his message? And that brings us to the second point. And final point, to be a follower of Jesus and a true disciple, we will embrace this message. We will embrace the Great Commission. Total surrender to Jesus is not just following the Ten Commandments and then going on about our life. The cross was Jesus' instrument of salvation To this entire world. So to carry the cross. Means this. To actively carry. This message of salvation. To the world. To carry the cross. Means that we carry. The message of the cross. Everywhere that we go. We carry this message of the cross. This instrument of salvation. Everywhere. That we go. Following Jesus means accepting not only His message, but friends, it's accepting His mission as your own mission and pursuing that mission in your life. And there's no such thing as a follower of Jesus who is not devoted to His mission. (laughs) The Great Commission. So, what is the Great Commission? Well, Jesus said it was to go and make disciples of all the nations. And there are a number of places in the Bible that I think spells this out for us, but one that I would like to highlight this morning is found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Friends, that's the mission. Have you embraced that mission? Is your life dedicated to that mission? Are you pursuing this mission? Because if you're taking up the cross daily, that's the message of the cross. Not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. And so the question is this, have you embraced this? Is this your mission? And are you pursuing it? Because when we embrace this mission and this message that we don't want anyone to perish, but we want everyone to come to repentance, then we won't discount the people that we don't like. We won't kick to the curb those people whose morals are way out of line. We won't go to battle and make people our enemy that don't believe like we believe politically. That totally flies in the face to everything that Jesus said and His message. Not wanting anyone to perish. Regardless of their lifestyle. Regardless of their past. Because see, His promise is to make that person that maybe you discussed a new creation that looks like Him. That's His mission. That's His goal. That's His purpose. And if we're going to be followers of Christ, and we're going to be His disciples, then we will embrace that mission that no one would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. People often talk about, boy, I just wish I knew what God's will was. Friends, this is it. You want to know what God's will for your life is? That you would be an instrument of this right here. That you would embrace the message. Embrace the mission. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And He wants to use you and me, of all people, to bring them to repentance. Friends, how can we say that we're a follower of Christ and that we believe the gospel? And we don't embrace this as our mission. (laughs) Because this is it. How can we say that we're a follower of Christ and do nothing? Listen, God didn't make us all the same. And He has lots of roles for us in the body of Christ. Lots of different roles, lots of different assignments. But they all fit within and under this umbrella right here. (laughs) <laughs> all right, Not all of you are like me. <laughs> and y'all just said, Amen. <clears throat> but not all of you are called to full-time ministry. To walk away from your job and become a missionary. Not, not, not everyone is called to that. But I would say this. He may be calling you to that. God hasn't quit calling people. To go into full-time ministry and to become teachers and scholars and professors of His Word. I've been praying that God would raise up some young people right here in this church to full-time ministry. And friends, sadly, it's getting harder and harder and harder to find ministerial staff and to find pastors to pastor churches that are open. It's getting harder because people aren't answering the call. People aren't embracing the message and the mission. We don't all have the call to be a pastor, but all of us, regardless of our role, we have this one thing in common right here. It's our responsibility. It's all of our responsibility to tell the people in our lives about Jesus. Friends, the cross demands something from us. Why did God give you the talents that He gave you? Why did He give you the resources that you have available to you? So that you would use them for the Great Commission. Here's the bottom line today. Some of you were hoping I'd have got there about 30 minutes ago, but when Jesus called people to follow him, he didn't mince words, he didn't sugarcoat it, he didn't try to make people feel better about themselves. He said, Take up your cross, hate everything else that this world has to offer you. Renounce everything else. And and it was almost like, and and I kind of jokingly said, I'm going to try to talk you out of taking this step of faith. But it was almost like he was wanting people to turn away. But we know that that wasn't his goal. We know that wasn't his purpose. He simply wanted us to count the cost. Count the cost to think about exactly what he's asking. Not to use him as some form of fire insurance or some divine genie to get what we want when we need it. And so today Jesus puts this before us. Count the cost. Because praying a prayer... Raising a hand in some service. Getting baptized. Or even getting involved in a small group. None of those things are the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's some of the fruit. That's some of the, you know, that's some of the byproduct. But total surrender and personal embrace of the Great Commission... It's what it's all about. It's what it all should be about. Every single thing that we do here in this church, every single thing that we do when we go out from this church as the church in our jobs, going to school, doesn't matter. I I don't care where you're going tomorrow. What Jesus is saying, if we will embrace this mission, we will strategically begin to live our lives where He has placed us and where He has put us so that No one would perish but that all would come to repentance. Maybe He's put you in that job. Maybe He's put you in that situation. Maybe He's he's put you beside that person at school and your lockers by that person. Maybe He's prearranged all of that so that that person would not perish but come to repentance. And when we embrace this mission and we understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, it begins to change the way that we think about everything. Friends, that's the point. That's the bottom line of what Jesus is trying to to teach here today. You're not ready to go all the way with Jesus if you're not obeying Him in these areas where He's already spoken. And I'll close with this. For the third time I've said that today. It's a quote from a Bible scholar, early 1900s, by the name of John Stott. And I love what he says about this. He says, The Christian landscape is strewn with wreckage of derelict, half-built towers, the ruins of those who began to build And we're unable to finish. For thousands of people still ignore Christ's warning. And undertake to follow him. Without first pausing to reflect on the cost of doing so. The result is the great scandal of Christendom today. So called nominal Christianity Christians. Get somewhat involved. Enough to be respected but not enough to be uncomfortable. Their religion is a great soft cushion that protects them from the hard unpleasantness of life, but doesn't transform their lives in radical ways. No wonder cynics dismiss religion and their message. Friends... Today, we're confronted with a decision. Will we choose, like Brother Stott says here, nominal Christianity or real Christianity? Will we choose comfort or a cross? And because I love you, Along with Jesus today, I'm inviting you to take a step of faith towards real Christianity. A committed and sincere relationship with Him. This step of transforming faith. The cross over comfort. And He will blow your mind with what he does in you and through you i promise that he will blow your mind we seem like what we we think you know it's so much to give up it's you know i i want to be in control i know what i want i know what i like i and it seems like it's so hard for us to do but friends What Jesus is encouraging us to do, what I'm encouraging all of us to do today is to take this committed step of faith and He will change us. He will transform us. He will give us the resources that we need. He will do a powerful work in us and through us if we'll just choose real Christianity over this jesus light version that's spreading rapidly Uh, All over our world today. I, I can't even begin to dream or imagine the things that God would do with a group of people if we would totally sell out and commit to Him and walk into wherever we walk into tomorrow with that message in mind that no one would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. That's our mission. That's our message. That's our cross. Jesus asked us to take up our cross and follow him. Let me pray for you this morning. God, first off, again today, I, I thank you for your love. that you would look down on us and you would know us, you would know our lives, you would know our past, you would know our mistakes, you would know our ugly sin and you would still extend another invitation to follow you, to commit our lives to you. And that may not be a radical go in and quit our job tomorrow and go to a third world country, but it could very well be allowing your mission and your message to be our number one priority in everything that we do, wherever you place us, wherever you take us tomorrow, that this message, and no one would perish, but everyone would come to repentance, would become our lifestyle and the way that we live because we've committed to you and we've committed to the cross and we've committed to this message. And God, there may be some people that are here today, there may be some people that are watching online today that are really struggling with this, and and I get it, it's hard. But God, I just pray that you would give them the courage to take a step towards you. And that you, in a very real and tangible way, would make yourself known in their life. And that they would know a life lived, committed to you is better than any life this world has to offer. (laughs) But it all comes down to us. It's our decision. You gave us the free will to choose what we will embrace and not let go of. And I, da- I pray today that some people would embrace you and hold tight. They would count the cost, and they would finish strong, walking with you in faith, this transforming, saving faith that we've been learning about. And again, God, I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead through these people that are committed to the message and they're taking up their cross and they're going to carry it as your followers. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to represent you as we go out from this place. I pray that you'd find us faithful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Be real careful that snow's uh, rough out there on this-